This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, I wonder if you guys are getting tired of us yet. Maybe. Yeah. I hope not. <laughs> uh, thanks to all the crew who came out last night to Screwballs out there in King of Prussia on Beadle Road. Had a great time taping a Birds 365 episode, which Johnny Mac has not seen the light of day. The only ones who know about it were those who were smart enough to show up at Screwballs. And you and I and the Jacob Media crew, um, it's going to air sometime over the weekend. But it was good to see you, uh, big man. It had been a minute. Yeah, good to see you live and in person. That's exciting. How exciting for that. All our local listeners, because we have a lot of uh, national listeners, international listeners as well. Really? Uh, yeah. uh, I hear we're big in Peru. We uh, are big in Peru. Uh, we're big all over the world, Birds 365, Jacob Media. Yeah, but if you were local, Beadler Road, Screwballs, King of Prussia, what a great spot, by the way, Jody. Which, by the way, did you make it home in significantly less time than it took? King oh, King yeah, King? significantly, significantly less time. I told Good. you we were going to be swimming upstream coming from South Jersey. It was swimming upstream. It was It was brutal there for a while. On the uh, so, beloved Schuylkill Expressway. The locals know that. Um, before you get to uh, uh, cer- certainly City Line, and uh, we pick it up out at King of Prussia, there's about a six or seven mile stretch of the Schuylkill Expressway. At one point, I looked down and I was going like 86 miles an hour. And I'm going, wait a minute. I was just on this road doing 22. And now I'm doing 86? What the hell? I'm going to get home fast. I'm going to get home by 9 o'clock. Uh, and I'm in the car, and I'm listening to the game, and the Vikings are starting to open it up. And I said, all right, well, I can listen to music or something else. I turn on WIP. Well, they had the game on uh, yeah. for a couple of minutes. And I get in the house, and it's like <laughs> 29 nothing. I said, all right, you know what? I'm watching uh, the end of the sector game. Screw the uh, Thursday night. You need to watch this. Vikings have put this one away. And then the Sixers lose, big, and I flip back mistake. over. Holy mackerel, the Steelers got back into the... Holy wow, mackerel, sure. the Steelers got the ball back. Holy mackerel, they're driving, and if they score, they can send this one into overtime. Yeah. And uh, the kid tight end from Penn State had it in his hands. What a great hands. throw. What a great throw by Ben Roethlisberger. Just phenomenal. I mean, that was a tight window, and it was perfectly fit. And, you know... It's one of those, and we talked about Minnesota on the show. They're one of those teams. They're waiting for the other shoe to drop. And one thing happens bad, and they tighten up, and everything falls apart. And all of a sudden, that would have been the largest 
you know, we talked about Mike Zimmer. I would have been a hundred percent in your camp. I'm 98% in your camp. He's done, but I mean, they wouldn't have let him off the field. Right. They lose that game. That would have been the largest collapse in regular season history. The only one larger would have been, uh, the music city miracle, uh, uh, but would the big the big comeback against Buffalo? Excuse me. Um, led by led by led by Frank Reich. Frank Reich, that's yeah. right. Yeah. So that it was in the playoffs. This would have been the worst regular season collapse in NFL history. After all the collapses that team has had this season, it's it's stinking amazing the way they collapse at the end of games. Um. So he 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 would have been cooked. I don't think he would have made it to next week if they lose that football game. And a large part is it's bad for the Eagles, but only bad in the sense that in this short moment of time, Minnesota lofted a, above the Eagles in the playoff picture. But that team's done. You don't have to worry about that team. So I continue to say it's about the two games against the Washington football team. And there's a big game this Sunday, which is even bigger for Eagles fans, and that's Washington-Dallas. And I continue to say, as painful as it is, Jody, get on your cowboy rooting hats for that one. Uh, I remember telling you this as we're sitting there having uh, a little bite before we taped our show last night, which, by the way, did I lead you correctly on the pulled pork sandwich? Yeah, it was really good. You it was were right. You were outstanding. That's two in a row for you. You're going to get <laughs> cocky. Yeah, for the, it's tremendous. For the uh, people in the King of Prussia area, you want to go grab a nice lunch or a dinner, go watch the game, whatever. Jody Mack gives the full endorsement of the pulled pork sandwich at uh, 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 Screwballs. Screwballs. Um, I had just heard on the radio, just come in from the car, you got there before I did, uh, that uh, Jason Lock on four from CBS Sports there, NFL top insider said that uh, if the Vikings lost last night, Mike Zimmer would not have gotten back on the plane, that they had already made the decision that they were going to pull the plug on Zimmer. Well, they well, might have put him on the plane because they were in Minnesota. They would have put him on the plane. Oh, okay. Sorry. My, my yeah. bad. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It was uh, indoors last night. Um, talk That was before they had a 29 to nothing lead. Yeah. And if they had coughed that up, if they were even leaning in that direction, the biggest collapse in regular season history in the National Football League. Oh, yeah, that would have sealed the deal. That would have been the straw that broke Mike Zimmer's back, and they certainly would have pulled the plug on it. But uh, it was uh, it ended up being a fun game. I caught the end of it, but I missed big chunks of it as the uh, Steelers were rallying. Um, we, we look at it through a Minnesota lens because we're Eagles guys, and we're uh, wondering, all right, it puts the Vikings still in the mix of the NAC playoffs mathematically. What do you think of the Steelers? That they fell behind as far as they did, what got hurt, but then they rallied and uh, Fermuth uh, had his hands on the football that could tied the game. They they going to make the playoffs over in the AFC? It's going to be tough. That was a big loss for them as well. It's always tough to go on the road, you know, on Thursday nights with the short week. And I think you saw that. I mean, the first week, it's almost like the Steelers, the first half, it, it was almost like the Steelers were sleepwalking. And then all of a sudden they get a little bit of momentum in the second half and they come on like gangbusters. Uh, I think, you know, that's a Sunday game. They probably win it, but that's the luck of the schedule, the luck of the draw. They had to go on the road, uh, you know, Midwest, not, not the easiest road trip. It's not the West coast, but 
Um, not the easiest thing to do on a short week. And I think ultimately that probably cost them the game. But, you know, they couldn't stop the run. Dalvin Cook probably shouldn't be out there. And he's running for 200 yards. And they have these massive holes with a bad offensive line. And they clearly didn't show up ready to play. But on the other hand, you know, the credit you give them credit for not falling apart, not saying, okay, this one's over. They realized the team they were playing, they realized that they put a little pressure on them, they probably crack a little bit, and that's what happened. And they had the football in their hands in the waning seconds on the last play of the game, just like the Detroit Lions. Now they could have won it, they couldn't have won it, they could have tied it, they would have needed a two point conversion as well. But, you know, if that game's going overtime, Pittsburgh's going to win it. So they they had a chance with the final play. Um, and that's all you can ask for if you're down 29 to nothing. So, look, they're going to be disappointed, and they're going to point to the, the run defense. And But there were a lot of good things. And Chase Claypool, I see, is getting killed because – you know, he made he made a mistake and, and signaled first down a fourth that cost him a few seconds on the clock and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, by by the I, way, people legit, make mistakes and I, I mean So you can give him a pass or a legit critique? I'll I'm I'm not giving him a pass, but I'm not gonna kill him. I don't think he lost the game either. I mean, you gotta know better. It's just like the kid on the Vikings, uh, the corner who got the taunting penalty. You know, I don't know if you were watching at that point. That was a huge play in the game. The Vikings had stopped the Steelers. They were going to have to essentially get off the field. He makes a good play, and he stands over the player, and he does the stupid taunting thing we all hate. And they get 15 yards, and the Steelers score, and here comes the snowball down the hill. Look, he made a mistake. There's no question. Uh, You got to understand the situation. Everybody talks about situational football. But I, you, my my only point being, Jody, is, you know, I see Steelers Twitter going off on this kid. He's a really good player overall. And, you know, he got a penalty earlier in the game as well. So I right. get that part of it. I get the frustration. But, I mean, he's not the one who gave up 205 rushing yards to a guy wearing a harness, you Very know. Uh, it, there's other issues. He didn't cost you the football game. He made a mistake in a beat big situation he's also one of the reasons you were back in the game because he made two great catches and route to scoring touchdowns so i can't go down that route like other people seem to boil things same thing with nick sirianni saying with jalen Rager. he's you know we we acknowledge how poorly he's played and by the way claypool's a much better player than that i'm not oh, yeah. comparing those two as players but to boil something down to one play, it it, it 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 especially when and and it's worse from the Steelers fans' perspective because this kid helped you get back in the game with those two great catches. Bottom line, and uh, you know how this works, John. It's been the same for forever, for as long as I've been in the media, you've been in the media. They remember the last thing. It's yeah. not the most important thing. It's not the biggest thing. They remember the last thing. And that was one of the last plays of the game. So that's going to stick in their craw. They did cut the tight end some slack. Uh, I know he's a great defensive play and he got a hit. But you get your hands on that ball, you got to catch the ball. And yeah. I was thinking about it as soon as he dropped I said, you know, this is a tough time for the Penn State backers. Um, he dropped the ball. 
Saquon Barkley looks like he's not the player he once was. Wasn't a great season. Well, they got Michigan. Michael Parsons. And, they, and that's what I was going to get to. They do have Micah Parsons to root for. And Miles Sanders, my guy. Yeah. Who last week was rated the number one back in the NFL on Pro Football Focus. The yeah. Rating now, system. Almost, almost had a career high in yardage. Um uh, was two yards short, uh, had a career high in touches. Um, you know, that's that's a bell cow back. But you saw a real bell cow back yesterday. That's a real bell no, he's, cow he's back. Not, he's not uh, Mr. Cook, but I'll give you that. Um, but uh, I've been ringing the, the Miles Sanders bell. I know that Eagle fans love ground and pound. They love between the tackles. They love guys who move the pile because that's the way Philadelphia football fans root. Sorry, Jordan Howard guys. Sorry, Miles Scott guys. Miles Sanders and or Kenny Gainwell guys. Miles Sanders is far and away the best Eagle back. Oh, for, I've said that consistently. For you know. one reason and one reason only. Your guy, JG, plays the defense that he plays because he doesn't want to give up the big play that they fear the big play that they want to go to whatever links they have to, to keep the big play from happening. If you think you can beat us with the little uh, jabs coming down the field. And Oh, by the way, a couple of teams really did that to the Eagles. They jabbed them all the way into the end zone about four times. Um, but you're not going to beat us with a haymaker not happening. Our defense is going to keep that from happening. That's been Jonathan's Gannon Gannon's way of def- defending all year long. If you're giving that kind of respect to the big play on defense, well, then flip side, it shouldn't you be just as desirous of that kind of play on offense? Shouldn't it be about scoring a big play? You're so afraid of it on defense, you should be trying to stick it to the other team's defense with a big play. Miles Sanders is the best big play player on the Eagles. Bar yeah, none. no question, Numero no question. Uno. And if you go back to that, three-game absence when he was out with the ankle injury, that's when the Eagles' rushing game really started to pick up. Now, it started to pick up on Las Vegas when he was out there, and then he got hurt, and it's just continued. And there were a lot of people saying, how do you take Jordan Howard off the field? How do you take Boston Scott off the field? And I even said myself, I can't explain it, but it seems like the Eagles have a better offense when Jordan Howard is in there because you cannot compare the talent level of those two backs. Miles is significantly uh, more talented. And if you go back to when he was uh, activated and Nick Sirianni got all those questions and it's like, well, what are you going to do with running back? What are you going to do with running back? And he immediately defaulted to Miles is my guy. Miles is going to be. Now he did throw a few caveats in there. He said he was going to go with the hot hand and things like that, which makes sense. But, you know, he was going to play because he was their best running back. That was his answer, basically. And, you know, sometimes when players get injured, other people, and we see it all the time in sports. Lesser players pick up, they get more focus, whatever, for a very small sample size generally. The more you play, the more someone has to play with less talent, the more exposed they're going to get. Miles Sanders is just their best running back. That's what Nick Sirianni said. That's what he defaulted to. Very similar to what he's doing with Jalen Hurts. Let's be honest. 
again, we could use the caveat. It's the Jets. We used it again last night when we we're taping. It's well, the Jets. I'll use it this week, next week, the week yeah. after. Um, the, the Jets are that but, bad defensively. Bottom line, Gardner Minshew performed better, certainly as a passer, than than Jalen Hurts has done all year, basically. There's no 133-7 on Jalen Hurts' resume. Um, but what did Nick do? He defaulted to, no, this is the better player. This is who we're going to play. Similar, similar type standards. And to help make my point about Chase Claypool, the reason why the criticism was as loud and long as it was, was because it was at the end of the game. Yeah. Sports fans have selective memories or they have uh, memories that fade quickly. You remember that because it was the end of the game. Do you remember Miles Sanders' first game back off injury? Yeah, I do. Two remember fumbles. Remember what he did? Yeah, two fumbles. Put and the ball I on the ground. Two. Not once, twice. Lost yeah. one, recovered one. And, and on WIP on my phones, on our stream here on Bird Street. Oh, you can't play Miles. Miles going to put it on the ground. Give it back to Jordan Howe. Why are we going back to Miles Sanders? We've got Jordan Howe. We've got Byron Scott, uh, Boston Scott. Why are we need with Miles Sanders? Oh, now we've got a couple of weeks in a row. And he hasn't put the football on the ground. And last week, he was the number one rated running back in the National Football League. We're not getting on the stream or on my WIP line. You can't play Miles Sanders. You can't trust him. He's going to put the ball on the ground. Why? Because they forgot yeah. about it. Because it was three weeks ago. People yeah. only remember what happened most recently. And here's what happened most recently. Miles Sanders had the best running back day of any Eagle this season. Sorry to say, uh, Jordan Howard fans, but that was the best game that any running back has had for the Eagles this year. And by the way, just real quick, because I brought it up on Chase Claypool, eight receptions on nine targets for 93 yards. Um, by far the, the Steelers' leading receiver. He converted the fourth down on the big play to keep the game. I mean, yeah. I can't blame he, that game on Chase Claypool. The, the amazing catch was the one he made right at the two-minute mark. Oh, it was unbelievable. And, you could you could call pass interference on the defender maybe twice. Yeah. You could have called offensive pass interference on him because he got ticked because he got interfered with. So he cleared out with one arm to get the defender out of the way. And then he catches the ball as he's yeah. prone to the ground and stays in bounds. Yeah, and he caught yeah, he caught it anyway. That was the beauty of it. And he had another catch like that as well earlier. Same type of play. He's where a, it was just a, a 50-50 ball by Ben and he went up and got it. And you know, Steelers fans are killing him. I at times I don't get fans. I get what you're saying. You understand it. You know why, but I mean, come on. Of all the of all the guys you want to pick on, look, players make mistakes. Player, the greatest players make mistakes. I've had this conversation, you know, when when Harrison Smith made that play, that's a Hall of Fame safety. That's a Hall of Fame safety. And there are people in Philadelphia who don't understand that because of the NFC Championship game and the Zach Ertz play. Uh, uh, nobody's saying the guy's perfect, but the guy's played at a high level. So Chris Long was on Twitter last night, and I, I – <laughs> You know, I thanked him. He put Harrison Smith up there, goat. You know, that's what he's thought of as his peers, amongst his peers. But they think of one play and they say, oh, that guy can't play. If you saw him play in this town for sticking 10 years, you would have a different uh, thought process. It's amazing to me how people latch on to one play and it erases brilliant play by Chase 
Claypool. Now, you can say both things. The, he was great, and he made a stupid play. Those two things are not mutually exclusive. That's you don't true. have to go overboard. And uh, if the Harrison Smith had played his whole career in Philadelphia, yes, we treat him like Brian Dawkins. Uh, but uh, that again, it's they remember what happened most recently, and the rest of the memory goes by the wayside pretty darn quickly. All right, I have not forgotten that we're gonna have uh, game day Kratz on. We have uh, Ed. Yeah, I hope so because I didn't. Re- I, I got home late, then I started watching the game. I forgot to send the reminder text, so we'll right. see. We're, we're gonna take out. a break here. Johnny Mac is going to get his iPhone out. He's going to text Ed Kratz right now and tell him, remember, you're joining us now. I forgot to tell you last night. I got too wrapped up in the Viking Steelers to send the reminder. Too wrapped up, too wrapped up in getting back from screwballs. No, that was a piece of cake I did in 35 minutes. Took me an hour and 35 minutes to get there. I was was home in 35 minutes last night. It was a piece of cake. It was a nice sailing. All right, uh, come back. Cross the fingers, our football Friday guy, Ed Kratz, scheduled to join us. There's only one way to find out if he does. Keep it right here on Birds 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. The glass is for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. 
Go for the hit. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. It is a football Friday here on Birds 365. Except for one thing, there's no football to be played here in Philadelphia this weekend. Uh, but that's all right. We're we're gutting through a bye week. Eagles hopefully enjoying the downtime and getting healthier during the bye week. But some things stay standard. One of which is Ed Kratz joins us on Fridays. Um, Eddie K, we know John forgot to send you the reminder text uh, last night. Did he send you the uh, invitation to join us at Screwballs last night before no, he's no. forgot to I'm send not, you the reminder I'm not, text? I'm not forcing Ed to drive and, you know. Not forcing, asking, inviting. Yeah. All right. We don't force anybody to do anything. We don't <laughs> force true. anybody to watch the show. That we just true. do the show and say, hey, like us. Hop aboard, hit that like button. We're like Ed Kratz. That's why you should like Joe today. Look at that smiling face. <laughs> Fair point. Well, uh, I did not get the invitation to Screwballs. I've been to Screwballs though. My Have cousin, you? <clears throat> my cousin actually is a uh, plays in a. He's a guitarist and a pianist, and he. Uh, oh wow! He's wow. played there before, so I've gone to see him play there, and it's a nice little place. I mean, I have to say, if I would have known. Oh, um, see, no, I feel bad. I'm not as well. You should, McMullen. You should ask him at a time. Yeah, it's always my fault. It's right near the King of Prussia Mall. You know, there's some shopping still left to be done. Uh, you know, I I didn't want to overreach, and here I'm I'm always wrong. There was a bad thing you'd appreciate it if you've been there when the acts are performing. Uh, John and I are there. And we set up the table, same place where they set up the mini stages if they have a musical act. And they turned the fancy lights on. Yeah. The shine coming off mine and John McMullen's <laughs> dome was blinding to the poor people yeah. in the uh, uh, seats there. So that, well, that's, 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 we got, that's we got those lights turned off quickly. That's probably like a beacon within a five mile radius <laughs> to just draw a crowd right in. <laughs> it helps the, uh, the, the, the late night planes land. Yeah, uh, that's that. probably true. It could be seen yeah. all the way back to the school. All right, Ed Kratz, what have you been doing on your bye week? Uh, just kind of, you know, recharging, just like Nick Sirianni and his boys, uh, just kind of recharging the old batteries, trying to get away, stepping away from the game a little bit. I saw some of the uh, Thursday night game uh, with the Steelers and the Vikings, and, man, that Steelers made that close. And I know the Eagles probably would have preferred a Vikings loss. It didn't happen. But, yeah, just kind of, you know, uh, laying low, taking it easy, doing a little coaching. I do a little wrestling coaching. And uh, uh, so, yeah, just uh, just getting on with my life, seeing my wife, reintroducing myself to my wife a little <laughs> bit, uh, my dog, taking him out for some nice long walks. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's been very nice, I have to say. it's a, 13 weeks is a long time. And I can't imagine how the players felt about it. I mean, that's a long grind physically and mentally uh, before you take a break. I know they had that 10-day off period after they played Tampa on the 14th of October uh, before turning around and heading out to Vegas uh, 10 days later. But, you know, this this was a very welcome bye, and now we hit the home stretch. Yeah, somehow we get to the bye. Jody and I have to work more. How how did that work, Jody? (laughs) But – Ed, I, I do want to talk about this team coming out of the bye because they're well-positioned. 
They really are. Um, even with that win, it would have been preferable, as you mentioned, for Pittsburgh to win for the Eagles. But overall, I think, you know, Minnesota's kind of leaking oil. I think you can kind of put them off to the side and say to yourself, how do the Eagles get to that seventh spot in the NFC? And to me, it starts with the Washington football team. They play each other, the home-and-home home series. Um, that, to me, is going to tell the tale of the rest of this season as far as the playoffs go. How do you think the Eagles match up with the Washington football team? And do you think they're prepared with a young rookie coach, presumably going back to Jalen Hurts, a very young quarterback? We're going to learn a lot about this team in the final four games, aren't we? Yeah, I think we've learned a lot already in the first 13 weeks here. And, uh, you know, John, you said you're always wrong, but I got I have to give you credit. You were right. I think you said back in the summer that we're going to see meaningful football in December, kind of like we've had for the last several years with this team. Um, and here we are again, you know, middle of December. And it does look like those two games with Washington kind of uh, with one game between them. You know, they come out of the bye, they play Washington at home, and then they have the Giants at home, which – by the way, is their first two-game homestand of the season. They haven't played two home games in a row all year, which is sort of bizarre, and this is the only time they'll do it. Um, but then they have the Giants after Washington, and then they go to Washington you know, on January 2nd to ring in the new year. Um, and you're right. Those two games look like they will be uh, for a playoff spot. And, you know, who knows? I guess Dallas probably has that number one. Uh, you know, they're probably the champs. It's going to be tough to catch them. Uh, Washington plays them this weekend. That'll be an interesting watch on Sunday. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that what we've seen from the Eagles so far in these 13 weeks is, is an offense and a defense that I think has really grown uh, pretty well. You look at this offense, they're, they're 10th in the league in scoring. Um, they've played six games where they've scored over 30 points and that's off of a season where they didn't do that a single time in Doug Peterson's last year. So, you know, we've seen this offense, even though it missed Miles Sanders for three games, even though it lost Brandon Brooks and Isaac Siamalu on the offensive line early, even though they traded Zach Ertz, uh, in the, from the tight end room, uh, even though they've had to start Gardner Minshew for a game, this offense has still kind of Heard along with six 30 plus games and they're five and one in those games. So, you know, you reach 30 points as an offense and you're going to win your share of games and the Eagles have done that. So I, you know, I give Nick Sirianni and his offensive staff a lot of credit for, you know, kind of growing this offense. And, you know, I, I say growing and we all made fun of Nick when he mentioned the, you know, <laughs> the flower growing, fertilizing water thing. And, uh, but it's true. This offense has really grown uh, through the year. Uh, so I think it is well positioned to play a Washington team whose defense is a little unsettled. Montez Sweat looks like he'll be out uh, for next week's game. I would guess he was put on the COVID list. I'm not sure when he can come off of that. Um, but yeah, I think they're in good position to, to match up with Washington over the, the two of these next three games and even their defense talking about growing. Uh, I think their defense has done a nice job. Uh, and a lot of that you could say, well, they're playing kind of an inferior competition with the way the schedule has changed from how difficult it was at the beginning until the last month or so. But but still, there have been some encouraging signs 
from Jonathan Gannon and from this unit that gives you confidence to think, yeah, we, we can match up with Washington. We, we can play toe-to-toe with the Washington football team on both sides of the ball. And you left out one uh, offensive hurdle that they have to continue to get over. They do continue to put Jalen Rager out there on the field, and that is something they <laughs> need to get over on a continuous basis as well. Um, I'm going to – and, oh, by the way, last year they did play important football, meaningful football into December by yeah. default because the NFC lease was the NFC lease last year. So you got to put it in the proper perspective. I uh, need you to look into the crystal ball a little bit. If you've got inside information, feel free to share. But I'm guessing you're going to have to just give us your interpretation and, and your belief. The head coach has said now for a couple weeks running, um, yeah, we'll have some Brandon Brooks information for you after the bye. It was supposed to be an eight-week <laughs> injury, and then we got the eighth, and then we got the ten. And then we got the 12 and he continued to say, well, you know, after the bye week, we'll know what's the chance next Monday. Or do you guys know when your first availability is with Wednesday, Wednesday, not till Wednesday. All right. right, Next Wednesday, the coach Sirianni steps up and has a full blown Brandon Brooks update for you guys. Or do you think there's a chance he's going to say, well, we we didn't have the players all week. So we're going to have to take a look at Brandon and take some time evaluating it. And we're going to get more of a stall as to when, if when or if Brandon Brooks is going to return for the Eagles. Yeah, he, he's kind of kept us on the edge of our seats with that information, uh, kind of stringing us along here for the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I'll, I'll have you information for that after you know next week, and now it's after the bye. So, yeah, I think Nick has taken us pretty far down this path here. So I expect he's going to have information for us on Wednesday, and it's been kind of interesting because if you look at you know Brandon Brooks's. Uh, ability to heal quickly you know we saw him come back uh after his first Achilles tear very quickly after I think eight months he was back in the lineup and then he was probably going to play had the Eagles made the playoffs last year coming off of that injury uh so it's kind of bizarre I think that here we are he had a pec strain I guess was or a pec tear I'm not Pack strain is what they said. Yeah, I don't know if he needed surgery or not. I mean, maybe we'll get information that he actually did have surgery, but I would think that that would be known at this point. But it's kind of odd that he hasn't come back already. I mean, we thought this was maybe an eight-week injury, and it's been, I guess, about 10 or 11 now at this point. So it's strange that he's not back. I expect we'll know more, but what are we going to hear? Are we going to hear that he's done for the year or are we going to hear that he's coming back? Uh, listen, I, I think the Eagles could certainly use him to come back. I mean, you're starting now uh, Nate Herbig uh, at the right guard spot. Um, so I think you'd much rather have Brandon Brooks in that position. So I think we're going to hear he's coming back on Wednesday. I really do. I think that he's going to return oh, from the wow. stretch run. That that's just my that's just my hunch that we're going to get news on him and he's going to be back in the lineup against Washington next week. Wow! wow. All right, uh, that right would that. be that would be a huge positive, obviously, because Jack Driscoll went down. Now you mm-hmm. have the other issues, and now you start talking about Jason Kelsey, and he's banged up. And what do you do there if he's not able to go? At, at certain times, which seems silly because Jason Kelsey always goes. But you brought up a good point with Brandon that I haven't brought up in the past. The guy was always known as a quick healer, a a fast rehab guy. He'd get back. We're like, well, he's not going to start the season coming off a torn Achilles in the playoffs. He starts the season. He has his best year. Uh, He does it again. He's back. 
he's ready to go at the end of last season. As you mentioned, he was practicing and he was ready to play for the playoffs at the Miracle King. It was pretty astonishing because he tore it, I think, in June. And this time it's a pec strain. And you kind of do the math. If it's a pec tear, um, he's out for the season, right? He's not going to come back. So if right. it's a pec strain, it should be much earlier. And then you add in the second part, Ed. Nick Sirianni's been much more above board about injuries than Doug Peterson was. Like Doug used to give us the the uh, step. Nick's been pretty honest when it comes to injuries, except for Brandon Brooks. So that leads me down a different path. He's probably not going to be here next year because of the contract, because of Landon Dickerson, because of how well he's playing. Remember, Isaac Samala is going to be back, so you have him. We don't know if Jason Kelsey is going to play. He's year to year at this point. But, you know, maybe it has more to do with the health problem, or is that too conspiracy theory driven for you? Yeah, I mean, listen, unless something happened during the rehab that really caused him, maybe he tore it during a rehab or something. But, again, I, you know, we haven't gotten any indications of any of that. Uh, and, and I think that you're probably right. This is Brandon Brooks's last year, and I think – Kind of like what we saw with Alshon Jeffrey last year. He, when he was ready to came, come back, he came back. I think the Eagles wanted to get their money's worth out of Alshon Jeffrey before sending him uh, away into, you know, we haven't heard from Alshon Jeffrey either all year. So I think they're going to want to try to get Brooks back out there just based on that contract. And and listen, this isn't an easy contract for them to get out from under. Yeah, it is. Um, unless you trade him. I mean, to cut him, you're still going to have to eat a lot of dead money certainly not in the uh, dead money range of Carson Wentz, uh, you know, that 30 plus million that they had to absorb. But I think Brooks is around 15 million if you were to just cut him. So you're going to have to try to trade him. And, you know, what value is he going to have if he's coming off of an injury, didn't play but two games or a game and a half before he got, excuse me, before he got hurt this year. Um, So I think you're going to want to get him out there and, the reason for Nick kind of hemming and hauling on this whole situation is, uh, you know, it, it is curious because you're right, John. He has been pretty forward and upfront with uh, injury information to us all season long, which is kind of interesting that he hasn't been uh, as forthcoming with the Brandon Brooks stuff. But I just feel like, you know, they want to get him back out there. They want to showcase him a little bit because they're going to try to get rid of him. Or I shouldn't say get rid of him. They're going to try to move him in the off season. And the best way to do that is to show that he came back healthy and was able to finish the season. All right, Ed, I've asked this of all of our guests this week um, leading into the bye. The Eagles are coming home for this game against Washington. I'd rather have, knowing that you're going to play them twice, I'd rather have the home game first and then be able to go get one on the road. That goes completely out the window if you lose the game. Then you're then you're in a hole if you lose the game and then you got to go to their place two weeks later. But... The Eagles are one and four at home this year. I've asked whoever we've had on the reason why. I'm interested to see what you say, see if it's the same as basically everybody else. One and four, no home field advantage at the link for the Eagles. What does that mean to you? Well, we've asked Nick this question repeatedly, like, you know, do you, what do you do at home that, you know, you need to change up? And he just says he thinks it's a coincidence. I myself think it's, you know, a young team trying to go out there and maybe do a little bit too much uh, and try to impress the home crowd. And 
sometimes when you try to do too much, then you stop doing your job. You start doing other people's jobs and then it snowballs. The next thing you know, you're trailing and the, the fans are booing you. You know, I mean, I think they've gotten booed at halftime in, you know, three or four of these home games. Now they came out and played a nice game against the Saints. Uh, maybe a little momentum, uh, you know, that you can build on now. Certainly you're going to have to figure out how to win at home. Uh, and maybe they did that against New Orleans. Maybe they decided, you know, look, enough is enough. This is our home turf. We need to defend it. Let's just play within ourselves. Let the game come to us. Take what's there. Uh, not try to do too much. And that way we'll have some success. And I think they did that against New Orleans. And I do like the fact, even though they haven't played well at home, I do like the fact that three of these four are at home. I mean, it's tough to go one and seven at home in the NFL. So I think, you know, your chances of winning at least two of these home games, I think, is is very, very good. I'm going to give them the win over the Giants right now. I'm going to give it to them at Kratz. There's no way. They're getting swept by the New York Giants. So that's one right there. But I am going to hijack, as I've done all week, the famous Jody Mack hypothetical, which I think is his best hypothetical question (laughs) of the season. (laughs) However, still time. He can still improve on it. So that's for you, Jody. A little uh, 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 coaching and trying to get you motivated. But this is a tremendous, tremendous hypothetical question because I'm surprised that the Eagles fans have been so disciplined with the quarterback controversy. There is no controversy. There is no Minshaw mania. It didn't happen. And now some of it is the opponent and the Jets and all that. But the guy was tremendous, especially in the first half. So Nick Sirianni says we're going back to Jalen Hurts. Everybody agrees with him. Everybody's copacetic. Everything's copacetic. However, if they go into the Washington game and they play a stinker of a first half with Jalen Hurts, let's say they have 35 yards passing, 50 yards passing, but they're still in the football game. They're down 10 to 3, 9 to 3. They have a chance. What do they do at halftime? Do they look to Gardner Minshew to win the football game? Does is the controver is the window for potential controversy shut? They stay with Jalen Hurts. If that's wow. the scenario and they go in at halftime and it's 10 nothing or 13 to 3, and Jalen's got 40 yards passing and you know, he's three for nine. I think they stay with Jalen Hurts. I really do. I I don't think they're going to bring a quarterback controversy in at halftime. Now, listen, could they come into the week and try to revisit it then? If, if Jalen struggles in the second half and they lose, you know, 21 to six or whatever it is, uh, I could potentially see that being uh, discussed during the week. And that's when you'll have a full-blown controversy. I mean, right now, yeah, okay, it was nice. Gardner Minshew was fun, great story, really cool dude. A uh, completely different personality than Jalen Hurts in the post game and in the pregame stuff when we talk to him. But, uh, you know, there's no controversy. I think Reed Sinet could have beaten the New York Jets, to be honest. No offense, Jody. <laughs> oh, um, Reed but, Sinet. Uh, yeah. I, I... <laughs> now, that's, that's the that's biggest cutting. <laughs> that's the biggest cutting blow I've had to take all week. And I've taken a bunch of them, and I've taken them because I deserve to take it. Reed well, Sinet. <laughs> I know you can take it, Jody. That's the only reason I, I say it, because I, I know you got the thick skin. Uh, 
But uh, listen, I, I just think that that Jets defense is not very good, uh, and it did not play very good uh, when they let you know the Eagles offense score seven straight possessions, score points. I mean, that's that's pretty bad. I'm not sure Reed Sinet would have done that, but I think he would have been successful, and they would have won anyway. Uh, so. Mm. As good of a story and as fun as it was to, you know, get to know Gardner Minshew a little bit up close rather than from afar when he was in Jacksonville and the whole Minshew mania thing. It was fun. It was a nice story. But I think the Eagles are going to see what Jalen Hurts can do, see if he can play in the crucible of what really is kind of a playoff race at this point. Uh, And they're going to see what they have in Jalen Hurts mentally uh, as a quarterback that can lead the team to big wins on a consistent basis down the home stretch here. So, Again, I think if they're losing at halftime, they're sticking with Jalen Hurts. Now, if it's a, a complete abomination and he really, really stinks the place up against Washington, then maybe that's when we'll have the controversy. And that's when teams or fans, I think, will start to clamor a little bit more for Gardner Minshew uh, in the light of Jalen's struggles against Washington. The hypothetical struggles. The hypothetical. But I don't yeah. I don't see it. I think, I think Hurts uh, is the better quarterback, and I think he'll have – a fine game on, on Sunday that we won't need to even revisit this. All right, Eddie uh, and John, I, I want you both to react to this. This is where I'm worried about the game some eight days down the road, nine days down the road when the Washington football game comes to town. I'm going to run down for you the top 10 rushers in the National Football League this year, okay? Jonathan Taylor, Eagles didn't play the Colts. Joe Mixon, Eagles didn't play the Bengals. Uh, Dalvin Cook, ooh, he added, he jumped up to number three last night with his 200 yards. Yeah. Eagles didn't play the Vikings. Uh, Derek Henry, he's been out for about two months, and he's still number five, four in the NFL. Eagles didn't play the Titans. Najee Harris, extra game for him because he played last night. Eagles haven't played the Steelers. Nick Chubb of the Browns, Eagles didn't play them just yet. Uh, at number six. Number eight is Ezekiel Elliott. Eagles played the Cowboys. How'd that one go? Did not go well. Did not, not go well, well at all. Okay. Number nine is Lamar Jackson. Um, and the Eagles haven't played the Ravens. And number 10 is Elijah Mitchell of the 49ers. That was a home game. That was a home win. Right? Oh, no. No. They lost that game. Uh, so they played two teams with a top 10 rusher in the NFL. And they're 0-2. Guess who's number seven in the NFL right now? Uh, oh, geez. Let's see. It's not Barkley. Antonio Gibson? Antonio Gibson is the seventh leading rusher in the NFL. And mm. he's coming to town this week or next week. Any worries? Yeah. You know, I think this defense has played pretty well against the run. I mean, you know, I know Barkley isn't the same Barkley we saw early in his career, the knee injury that he's coming back from. And But they did a good job. I think they held the Giants to 70 yards rushing. Uh, the Jets certainly, <clears throat> with Tevin Coleman, they, had been, they came in with a 157-yard game against the Texans, albeit. But I think they held uh, the Jets to about 70 yards rushing. So, you know, those are encouraging signs that they have kind of found a way to stop the run and do a better job against the run. Now, Gibson, I love Antonio Gibson. I loved when, you know, he came into the NFL. I think he came from Memphis, if, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yeah, Kenny Gainwell. Uh, yeah. Patriots. <laughs> he was kind of one of those guys that nobody kind of knew what he was going to be, whether he was going to be a running back or a receiver, you know, because he had that skill set. But he, he settled in nicely at running back, and he is a threat, I think, out of the backfield. So, um 
him and Terry McLaurin, I think, are two really big pieces of that Washington offense. Now, you know, their uh, tight end, Logan Thomas, I think, has been put on injured reserve. So he's not going to play. That's that's very beneficial for the for the Eagles because tight ends have just killed this team more so than the running game. Um, you know, they've given up 10 touchdowns, I think it is, to tight ends this season. Guys we've never even heard of. And, you know, I know the Jets tight end scored one against them, too, whose name I, I can't remember. Jody, maybe maybe you know who that was. It was uh, – I don't, I don't remember. Robert oh, yeah. Griffin, maybe. Was that his name? Somebody Griffin, Griffin, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, listen, these tight ends have hurt the Eagles more so, I think, than the running game. So, no, Jody, I'm not really concerned about okay. Antonio when, Gibson. When Antonio Gibson puts on puts up 115 uh, and you're on with us uh, next Friday, okay, just, uh, just remember where you heard it first, Ed. We're right, concerned well, from the Mac corner over here. <laughs> it certainly has a lot of veracity. But, you know, maybe Sanders puts up a buck 15 as well and – uh, you know, it's a push in the run game. And then who's the better quarterback, Taylor Heineke or Jalen Hurts? Well, that's go a good Jalen question. Hurts. That's one. Uh, I'm going Hurts. All right. All right. Yeah. I, I, I want to further this discussion with the defense, though, Ed, because I, 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 if I told you before the season uh, we would get to this week 13, this late bye, um, after 13 games, excuse me, number 11 defense overall. Um, Jody just brought up the run game. Uh, they're 13th, I think, in the run. Um, top half when it comes to giving up points, top half, obviously, in the passing game. Um, you'd be, ha- you would have been happy, most likely. Where's the disconnect? with Eagles fans when they say this defense, is it just the way they play the lack of aggressiveness? 11's pretty good in the 32 team league. You saw last night, 29, nothing lead. Here comes Pittsburgh. They got a chance to tie the game on the last play. They would have needed a two point conversion. Point is you can score some points and get some yardage in this league. Um, Eagles have been better than most contextually. Why the disconnect? I just think there's been some early scarring with fans in this defense, you know, when you see what some of the quarterbacks have done against them. And when you see two teams, I think, this year who haven't, who didn't have to punt against the Eagles, uh, you know, I think that's a lot of scars for Eagle fans to kind of move past and to, to kind of have total confidence that, yeah, this, this is the defense now that we're going to see the rest of the year because it's hard to get past the fact that five quarterbacks have completed 80%. Uh, they've given up, you know, that Chiefs game to me, you know, when the Chiefs score on what, nine of 10, or not nine, it's seven of eight drives, I think it was. And the one was an interception from a linebacker who's not here anymore, Eric Wilson. I mean, those are tough games to kind of, you know, move past, in my opinion, anyway. So maybe that's the disconnect. And even when they were playing the Jets, and, you know, I, I kind of tweeted out there, you know, New York has scored on all three of its possessions. Yeah. And you're getting comments like, oh, this looks like the same defense of last month. And, you know, fans just haven't moved on. Like, that. they were you – know, people were saying, well, it looks like we, we won't have to get to know the Jets punter's name. It looks like one of those games <laughs> that's in that. So, uh, you know, that that's kind of how I feel is that it's – a it's a fan base that was scarred from earlier defensive performances, and it's hard to go 100% that, yeah, now this is the defense we're going to see the rest of the year. That's that's my take on it. I just think it's been hard to watch early 
and now you know we're just waiting for this house of cards to collapse and i'm not sure it will uh i'm not really sold on these offenses that they have left other than the cowboys obviously in the week 18 matchup but certainly washington and new york these offenses don't throw a lot of scare uh into me for the defense all right ed i asked you the question and last one for me um earlier about the Eagles being one and four at home. And why is that? Most people have said quality of opponent that you put the chiefs and the bucks and the chargers and the 49ers out there. And guess what? Those are very good. Uh, two of them are very good. And two of them are playoff teams as of right now. Uh, Saints going backwards outside the plat. Ah, oh, they find a way to win. So the quality of opponent dictates the Eagles outcome. Most fans don't like to think that way. They want to believe that their team dictates everything, that everything is based on their home squad, and that's the view you have to have of it. Smart people realize there's two teams on the field, so you have to give just as much credence to the other team you're playing. So I agree with their stance. That's why the Eagles are one and four. They got the Redskins this week who are basically in the same exact position the Eagles are. So no better, no worse. That's a good game. You go in and win it. It's your team. You got the hometown fans behind you. But here's something else Eagles have this week. A little pressure. Yeah, they've uh, been, I think, under pressure all year or less pressure than you would think because new coach, the owner said before the season start, transition year, not great expectations. There hasn't been a lot of pressure on the Eagles this week. Now this is a rivalry game, divisional game, in your house, when you move into the playoffs, there's some pressure involved. How is year one Nick Sirianni, Philadelphia Eagles, going to play under the most pressure they've been all year? I Listen, they have good veterans on this team, too. Guys that have won Super Bowls, uh, a Super Bowl. Now, not as many, obviously. You know, that's a dwindling number that was on this team in 2017. But, you know, they still have, you know, some good veterans, especially on that line with Jason Kelsey. And it looks like he's going to be okay based on what Nick Sirianni said earlier in the week that uh, that injury he suffered against the Jets, he came back from it during the game. Uh, but he seems like they got good news on that front. But, you know, when you have veterans like Kelsey and Lane Johnson, uh, you know, that that's invaluable to me, in my opinion. And I think that helps. And then on defense, you know, Fletcher Cox, say what you want about Fletcher Cox. He's been around and you know, he does seem to take an interest in the younger players and kind of helping them develop. Um, and Darius Slay, you know, kind of a veteran who really hasn't been through too many playoff crucibles, right, playing with the Lions. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he responds. But, you know, I think Nick Sirianni has this team with the right mindset. You know, it's a growth-oriented uh, mindset. Again, here we go with the growth and the flowering and this stuff. But I just think it's a growth mindset for this team, and I think, I like the approach that he's taken and yeah, we'll see what they're made of under pressure. And that's where I think Jalen hurts comes in is how is, will he handle this pressure? Now he's played in some big games too, while at Alabama and Oklahoma, you know, can he translate, you know, that mindset into the NFL? Uh, it's going to be interesting. I, it's a good question. Uh, you know, I, I think that they're, they've handled it well thus far. It's going to be a lot of pressure. It's going to be really interesting to see how Washington does against Dallas this weekend, because, I think in NFL schedule, there's a lot of ebbs and flows. So we'll see how Washington does against Dallas. If they come out and win, you know, they, they're going to be pretty fired up. But listen, they, maybe they'll be a little full of themselves and they'll come in here overconfident. And maybe the Eagles can sting them. If, if the Washington loses to Dallas, <laughs> they're going to come in here a little bit more motivated, maybe. 
uh, and that won't help the Eagles cause. But I think the Eagles, if they just play like they've been playing and uh, keep growing, I think that they'll be okay in this in this playoff crucible. All right. I'm going to sneak one more in, Ed, mainly to say SI.com backslash NFL backslash Eagles, EagleMaven.com, read Ed Kratz. Nobody does a better job uh, covering the Eagles. You can also read me there if you want, but mainly Ed. And uh, I want to get – this is a good demarcation line for the season, as it always is, a bye week, especially this late. Who's your biggest surprise? Who's your most pleasant surprise on both sides of the football for this team? Huh. I, you know, defense, I, I think what comes to mind, you know, obviously Darius Slay's played terrific. He probably is the defensive MVP at this point. But I, I think Davion Taylor, to me, has been a big, big surprise off the top of my head. I know he's really struggled with injuries, and that's unfortunate. We saw the same thing with Jordan Hicks when he was here. Terrific player but he couldn't stay healthy. He goes to Arizona. He's been healthy. And, you know, he's the NFC defensive player of the week last week. I mean, that's the kind of ability Hicks has. And I, I think Davion Taylor to me, when he's been healthy, uh, he's just seems to have gotten better each week. And and that to me is surprising. I think this defense is better with Davion Taylor playing, to be honest. And um, we'll see if he gets back this week or the week after, but uh, Davion Taylor on defense and, and then offensively, maybe my biggest surprise. Uh, gosh, I, I would probably say Landon Dickerson, maybe, or Jalen hurts. One of those rookies. I, I mean, Dickerson's really stepped in and he, you know, he hasn't played perfect, you know, past game or past blocking, you know, he needs to get better there, but man, run blocking him and Milata you know, 700 plus pounds on that left side. I mean, that's where Kenny Gainwell's 18 yard touchdown run yeah. against the jets went was right between those two guys. And that that's a lot of heft up front. And you look at those two guys when they break the huddle and they take the line, they're, they're huge. Uh, so I, I'm going to say Landon Dickerson kind of the ability to stay healthy. Even, I mean, remember all the, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, angst about drafting him with the injuries and this and that he's been able to stay healthy and he's played just fine. I mean, if they didn't have him stepping in for Siamalu, I'm not sure this Eagles offensive line is, is as good as it is. So I'll go Landon Dickerson on the offense. I like them both. Ed Kratz, if uh, we are called upon to go back out to uh, screwballs. Yeah, now, now I know. Yeah. You're a screwballs regular. I will text you. I, I will <laughs> yeah. not leave it up yeah. to my partner. Don't leave to it up you. to me. I yeah. will text you to invite you out to join us at screwballs if you'd be so kind i i would love you know i like i said i enjoyed it nice little nice little bar there kind of tucked in the development you know re in a residential area um sure i'm on board jody we got you bud always a pleasure eddie thanks Appreciate thanks guys thanks, hey kratz sports Illustrated. yeah i always John. do the wrong thing jody. I, i'm trying to be you're nice. too friggin' busy you got yeah. too many assignments That's you write true. for 147 outlets and you're always thinking about your next column and you forget yeah. your buddies like Ed Cratch who stands there and does your silly videos with you. How can yeah. you forget him? He's tied in your hip and you blow him off. By the way, I love that description because that's what they are. Silly videos. I agree with you. <laughs> I agree with you wholeheartedly. They're actually good. I think no, I don't. Really I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. Uh, I, I, I pay attention because I learn something every time that you do it. All right, John McMullen, Jody McDonald, we are the Mac and Mac guys. Uh, we'll come back. I got a couple more uh, Eagle things to run by my partner here. And then uh, hour two, got one of our uh, favorite guests, Randy Mueller, former NFL executive. We'll hop aboard 
<clears throat> I want to get Randy's take on what do you do when you're the GM at this stage? Yeah, yeah you yeah. got guys moving up from the practice squad. Yeah, you keep your eye on the waiver wire. I'm guessing it's more frustrating than anything else because the coaches are deciding stuff week in and week out. And you're just sitting there watching the roster that you put together and knowing there isn't a lot you can do to change it. Or is it actually something that they enjoy? Because, yeah, they, they, they can just work in conjunction with the coaching staff. Well, fun spot. Uh, Randy Mueller, ex-NFL executive, is uh, going to join us in hour number two. We'll come <laughs> back, finish up hour number one here on Birds 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glass is for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Yo, okay, but is the rip... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero carbs, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. 
our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at mesalaw.com. Mesa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. All right, you got the Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365, a football Friday, except no football. No Eagles football this weekend. Oh, there's football. And I double-checked. I went to the guide on my uh, Comcast uh, server here, and it said, uh, Sunday, 1 o'clock, Fox game, Washington football team against the Dallas Cowboys, as if there was going to be any chance of anything else uh, airing here in Philadelphia. No, they're smart enough over at Fox Philadelphia to put the Cowboys and the Washington football team on. Uh, So, yes, I assume most Eagle fans will be tuned to that. Maybe you'll be gathering in groups like I suggested the Eagle coaching staff should be, but or you'll be individually watching it at your homes. However, everybody should be tuned to the Washington football team and the Cowboys. All right, a couple of things before. I still need to run a couple of Eagle players' mid-three-quarter season grades by you. We did a couple on Wednesday. We did a couple more yesterday. I got a couple more to go with you here, John, uh, today. But first things first. Um the player that has been the biggest pleasant surprise to me, I think that's a slam dunk winner. It's got to be Jordan Mailata. We all had hope that he's he's been so good that I think here's the another example of how fans can get forgetful pretty quickly. We're only like four months removed from uh, a a battle at the left tackle position that it was going to be Andre first round Dillard who certain people in the organization will probably be trying to elevate because he was a first-round draft pick and they invested time and money and effort into him as compared to this seventh-round almost throwaway pick that they were using on Jordan Mulatto. It was a nice, fun narrative story of the kid who never played before, who has shown progress, who the offensive line coach likes a lot. And now he's playing like a pro bowler. Everyone's like, well, of course, Jordan Mulatto. Five yeah. months ago, nobody was saying nah. that. Who said five months ago? Oh, and by the way, Jordan Mailata, starting left tackle, playing on a Pro Bowl level. Nobody, nah. nobody was saying. Jordan's parents weren't saying nah. that. Nah. So that You're is right. And by is, the way, I'll take people back to training camp. If if they remember, which clearly they do not remember, the Eagles were rotating each day. Correct. Uh, who would start on on at left tackle during first team drills? Andre Dillard was first. He had the first day, and they kept going, and people kept saying Jordan, and he was. Jordan was outperforming Andre, but they kept doing it. They kept doing it, and Andre would get his day, and he would. they were defaulting to Andre Dillard. Then he got hurt, and then it kind of ended it, and, and Jordan just took off and played at such a high level. And the beauty about, you know, more so, and I agree with you, it would have been Jordan Mylotta for me, but I just sprung that on Ed. He might think about. I would also take T.J. Edwards uh, on the defensive side as well. But 
um, when it comes to Jordan, this is the thing that blows my mind. You know, Andre Dillard is the first round pick, as you mentioned. We all know the high level. Everybody loved him, and people can kill the Eagles for the pick. Believe me, they weren't the only team that graded Andre Dillard as a first round pick. He was going to be a first round pick. In fact, the Eagles were surprised he fell to him, and that's why they they jumped. They didn't even do a lot of uh, background on Andre Dillard because they thought there's no way he's going to be in our position. Um, he was a very highly regarded uh, potential draft pick. Um, and when they had their issues with Lane Johnson and Lane had some uh, personal issues, uh, who do they kick over to the right side when he gets healthy? Not Andre Dillard, because Andre Dillard can't play the right been, side. Been the there, guy, done that. The guy you couldn't put on his helmet, he goes, yeah, mate, I'll go play right tackle. I'll go back to left tackle. Uh, amazing, amazing story. And everybody's written about it, but I just don't think people comprehend how unbelievable this is, that where he is as a player uh, in this particular league, starting from ground zero. And when I mean ground zero, ground zero. So we talk about Jeff Stoutland bringing along the Jack Driscoll's of the world, the Nate Herbig's of the world, uh, you know, that's unbelievable. To do it with somebody who's never played before? I, I mean, the physical gifts are obviously the key to it all. I mean, there aren't too many six foot eight, 380 pound guys in the world who can move like Jordan Mailata. But still, the, the, the technique, the ability that he has uh, developed over a very short window. It's it's one of the most amazing stories in in football in in the entire league, not just the Eagles. It's one of the most amazing stories. I'm going to be blunt in in NFL history. G- give me another example of somebody starting from scratch at his age and being arguably certainly a top five left tackle, and you might even go higher than that. And to add to that uh, storyline and narrative, get out and vote. Uh, can you vote for the Pro Bowl at NFL.com? Voting still ongoing, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, get there and do the right thing and vote for your left tackle because he has played to a Pro Bowl level this year and he should get that kind of acknowledgement. All right. I want to acknowledge one other guy slash thing. Actually, two people, as a matter of fact. Um, so after going out and partying with you at uh, Screwballs last night, McMullen had a beer. I had a Diet Coke. Let that be uh, noted. I had two beers. I was going to leave you at one. But if you're being completely truthful, McMullen had two beers. I had none. I had Diet Coke. Anyway, uh, got home much. He ended a football game, got to bed by midnight, get up 6.15 to get ready to do the show here. Bringing the dog back in from the first walk of the day at 7.15. And I see out my front door someone's coming up to my porch. 7 15 a.m i don't what the hell nobody's up it's me and the dog the wife's still sound asleep there's not a peep in the house and there's somebody walking up to the front door and like i just waited for the knock and it never came about 20 seconds later i see the person through the glass and right near the front door walking away so i go out and i see the car parked in front of the house it's got a big amazon placard on it so I look down and sure enough, there's a delivery sitting there right on the front mat or whatever. And the kid, the, the kid, I don't know, he, he probably was in yeah. his 20s, but wasn't, wasn't an older gentleman. Um, 
took advantage of my wife's uh, good nature. She puts a basket out on our front porch that includes like Nestle's Crunch, Heath bars, stuff like that. Says for all you delivery people, because God damn it, the Amazon people show up at my house twice a day, every day. Oh yeah, uh, I'm with you. Please feel free to take something. Uh, stay safe. Thank you very much. Blah, blah, blah. And it's a really nice thing to do. My wife does it every year at the holidays. And uh, I'm, I'm proud to be my uh, wife's husband in that aspect. Um, but, <laughs> but the guy has delivered a package at 7.15 in the Just morning. taking a Nestle Crunch. And he's well, taking a Nestle know. Crunch with him. What the hell's going on in this world that you're getting stuff delivered at 7.15 on a Friday morning? Yeah, it's pretty me. You know what freaks me out? Because at this time of year, and, and especially, you know, in, in this time of society and the pandemic and all that, and everybody, there's so much more deliveries. Uh, and, you know, we do this show from our homes, obviously. Not a studio. You doing? I, I'm doing it from the ocean casino. Yeah. What are you o talking ocean about, McMillan? That's a good point. Uh, made another mistake. A lot of rookie mistakes. I'm Nick Sirianni today. But um, yeah, it, 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 sometimes what freaks me out is they have they have so much work. These delivery people, they show up in their personal cars. Like they don't have enough truck. And I'm like, who's this guy walking up to my house? I'm with you. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? No, I think then, it was a Ford Fiesta that dropped off the package in my house yeah, today. Yeah, and I'm like, what the heck is going on? Who's coming to get me? You know, I always have some kind of weird, what have I done now? Well, I blacked out on my two beers. Lord knows what I did, Jeff. That's funny. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm with you. I do like that idea, though, that your wife does. That's very yeah, she nice. she takes care I of the like people. That. And the guy got a Netflix I, I feel fit. Those... Those guys are work to the bone. Working man. for a living. Yeah. All right, a uh, couple of things. Randy Mueller is going to join us coming up here in 10 minutes or so, uh, former NFL exec. A uh, couple of guys I wanted to get your grade on. We did a bunch of guys Wednesday, a couple more yesterday. Um, but there were a few guys that uh, I haven't gotten to yet that I do want to see your grade on them for this year. What would you grade Quez Watkins at? Um, let me think about that one. Um, C plus. I, I I'm not as high on Quez as some people are. Right, I, and, you know, and I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, it it depends to me on what your preseason expectations were, because if you go all the way back to before training camp started then you might be in the B minus area or the B area for Quez Watkins. If you go yeah, everything the start is of the season yeah. after he had a good camp, made a couple of plays, caught that one uh, wide receiver screen, went to the house, uh, 80 yards, you might have had a little higher expectations. So it all depends on where you want to. Yeah. Take everything your... is how you're going to, great on your particular curve right. and what is my particular curve in this instance i'm looking at what is he for this team what he is unfairly probably is the wide receiver too he's number two that's his job that's his role how is he as a wide receiver too in the nfl not great um now if you want to take it from your path and say well he's a six-round pick he shouldn't be the wide receiver too He's, he's, 
uh, playing in a position he's probably not ready for and maybe you want to take that curve, you can go a little bit higher. But I'm just going to – hey, the coaches say you're dressed, you're ready to play, that's your role, that's your role. In his role, he's a below-average NFL player as a wide receiver too in the NFL. I think we'd all agree with that. At least most people aren't putting the Eagles blinders on. So that's kind of how – maybe it's not fair, but that's kind of how I how I get to that. Right, but – if you again pick it, it, it depends on where you're picking it up from. Yeah, he wasn't supposed to be the wide receiver two. No, the wide receiver two is supposed to be that Rager and, guy, and that's he why he gets to an be even the wide worse receiver guy. Three. Yeah, yeah. And you know, by the way, still, I would say he's not. I think the Eagles have to improve at both wide receiver if they're going to play eleven personnel, which is what Nick wants to do. It's Devonte Smith, and you got to find two two other options. And it's not to say Quez Watkins can improve and eventually become uh, that number three guy. And maybe he's better uh, with less on this plate and that lesser role. And maybe that fits together. If you eventually get the real number two, because we see that domino effect at times, maybe that helps him. Um, That's where I am kind of with Quez. He's, He's been put into that position, and he's probably not ready for that position. All right, one more guy I want to get a grade on uh, from you. What kind of season, in your eyes, has Rodney McLeod had? Um, I don't. I don't think Rodney has played that well. I don't think he's played up to his standard. Typically, um, I think Marcus Epps has been the Eagles' best safety, and you know he he keeps getting more and more playing time, but they really value Rodney's leadership and, and Anthony Harris for that matter. So I think there's some intangibles, uh, but I, I don't think Rodney has played up to what he typically, and I think he'd be the first to say that. And he's coming off a torn ACL and that's part of it. Um, but I, you know, from that standpoint, but I think he offers some of that leadership and some of those intangibles. And and I think it's not just about on the field with him. He's the guy breaking down the huddle pregame every every game now. He he is a real leader of this team. So um, but I would say B minus would be my quarter pole that doesn't exist grade for I, I i might even go c plus but because of the point that you made because of the leadership role that he fills on this team plain and simple yay or nay thumbs up thumbs down riding mcleod back with the eagles next year i don't think he's going to be back next year i think they want to get younger um i don't think either uh rodney or anthony harris are going to be back next year and that depends on what look are you getting kyle hamilton in the draft and they're both definitely not going to be back um so a lot depends on what happens and what you can do maybe they want one of those two back um because you do need some veteran leadership but certainly both aren't going to be back and boy if they can get kyle hamilton that would change uh my thought process real, real quickly We'll talk plenty about Mr. Hamilton over the next six months because that's how far we got the way till the draft, or at least five. Um, We got a whole bunch of football games to play, four to be exact, between now and the end of the season. Will the Eagles get a fifth as a playoff team? What do they have to do these last four weeks of the season? 
from an executive standpoint. We'll check into that next. Former NFL executive Randy Mueller is going to join us here on Birds 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glass is for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rip... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Tuning in on this Friday edition of Birds 365 with Mac and Mac, John McMullen, Jody McDonald. Uh, we're going to take a couple minutes, different look at what's going on in the National Football League. John and I have both been covering the year for league, uh, the league for years. We haven't been inside it. Our next guest has former NFL executive uh, jumping aboard with us. He's been on with us previously and always gives us a different look at what's going on in the National Football League. Randy Mueller joins us here on Birds 365. How you been, Randy? Doing great, guys. Thanks for having me back. Uh, happy holidays to you. Happy holidays to you. Thanks for getting up this, uh, early with us as well, Randy. Really appreciate it. 
Uh, I do want to uh, dive in. I want to get your thoughts on on just how difficult it is. I think it's easy when you're a Super Bowl contender and everybody knows you're a contender. So you're a GM and you have your head coach. Everybody's on the same page. Everybody's got that same goal. You want to go for the championship. Here in Philadelphia, you know, Jeffrey Lurie has called it a transition phase. They have a young quarterback they want to learn about. And all of a sudden, they're in the playoff picture. And there's four weeks to go for them, four games to go. And, you know, you have Gardner Minshew. He comes in, he plays well against a poor opponent. Um, how do you handle that GM head coach sort of disconnect? Nick Sirianni wants to win every week. Do everything possible to win. You want to evaluate a young quarterback. How is that sort of handled, Randy? Yeah, it's a great question. I think uh, it's all about mindset, right? And that's what you're me- you mean. Um, I think as certain teams wind down their season, they're looking for answers and gathering as much information to to go into 2000 or 222 as, as possible. Other teams, like you say, are managing their team with the idea of, hey, we got a playoff run to make. So I think you're right. The Eagles are kind of somewhere in between. It is a tough dynamic per se. Um, I'm sure Howie and, and Nick have these conversations daily. I do think it's important that their relationship kind of withstands all of the different agendas per se. And, and it, it's a positive that you're still in the hunt for sure. Um, it does you know, make planning a little more hard uh, when you're looking, trying to have one eye on the future. But I think in this case, you owe it to your fans and everybody involved to try to do the best you can this year to make a run. I think it's, it's one thing to plan ahead as a GM and, and you like the GM to have a, a picture of from 30,000 feet, but you can't forget about the worm's eye view of the guys in that locker room and everybody fighting week in and week out. I always think that that led me to the right thing to do. I wanted to be judged by the guys downstairs in the locker room and they're all about winning right now. So I think you have to give, give way to your long-term plans to kind of focus on what they want to do. And, and we know that is to win games week in and week out. So I do think that takes precedent. Randy, one of the reasons why I appreciate the job you used to do as a general manager in the league, and I've always had an appreciation for it because my father did it in professional baseball. And he used to, uh, I don't want to say whine, but complain about it. The most important part of the season on the field is the part of the year that you probably have the least impact that from the day the season, then you can restructure the roster, the entire off season. And then heading into camp, certainly you're going to have a big impact on it. And leading up to the trade deadline, you can make a key acquisition. And then you get to the end of the season, which is the most important on the field. And you're moving pawns around on the practice squad. (laughs) How do you deal with that? That, that, you know, that you did done an outstanding job putting your team in the best position to win. And then you're told now you stand back and just watch for the most part. There's still some moves to be made. I want to say like you go in the corner by yourself, but your hands-on impact isn't as strong at the end of the season as it is for the rest of the year. How do you deal with that? Well, I, I think you have to understand your place in the hierarchy, that's for sure. And your job really kicks in when the season ends. But having said that, Jody, there's a million things you can do to help your team right now. And sometimes it's about being a sounding board for your coach and for your coaches, for your players. Somebody inside the building has to help with the glue of kind of keeping everybody focused on the same direction. I always think that 
sometimes the role of a general manager gets pigeonholed into, hey, you go sit in this room and, and look at film and pick players. It's really not that. Okay. That's a little bit of it. But you've got to manage everybody in that building, per se, and try to do everything you can to help the coach and the coaching staff. Maybe it's an extra film or two on the opponents. Maybe it's doing some advanced scouting that helps you win one game. But there's a lot of things where you can focus your time and efforts to help that team, per se. Yeah, you can't make roster moves, so to speak at the end of a season, but you can surely help others feel good about their jobs. And sometimes it's, I used to spend an inordinate amount of time in the trainer's room during the end of seasons to kind of get the medical layout and the lay of the land and try to help make those decisions that are best for us going forward. And so sometimes it's some ever we're all, we know we're all beat up, right? And, and really your job is to give information to those coaches at this point and try to help them any way you can. So yeah, you maybe set your ego aside, but if, if you're in this business because of your ego, you need to check that and probably are in the wrong business. I think I always said, and, and accepted this. And in fact, some of the great GMs that, that I grew up with always said this. I know Bill Polian is, is one who I kind of learned this from during the season. It's the coach's job. He's the face of your franchise. You got to do everything you can to support him in the off season will be your time. You can rebuild the team. You can retool the team just because you, you are sitting in the seat now, as you prepare for a playoff run, doesn't mean you can't look at tape on college guys and kind of make your plans behind the scenes for next year. You just don't have to share that with anybody so that that takes the agenda. It, Randy, bring something interesting up uh, from a medical standpoint. And I, I wanted to run this by you because of Dalvin Cook yesterday. And you started in this league in, in the, I think, the early 80s. So mm-hmm. how much have things changed? Dalvin is, and I, I can say this because I like Joe Banner and Joe's on Twitter and Joe said it publicly. So Joe said he shouldn't have been in that game. And if he wasn't in that game, the Vikings aren't going to win that game. Um, let's be honest. And he's hurt. He's a great player. How much has the thought process changed from an executive standpoint from you started to now? It, it, it seems to me from the outside looking in, everybody always has that goal of winning a championship, but football players play. If they're healthy, they play. You, you, can you worry about shelf life and say, well, we're not that good, so we're not going to play our best players if they're not 100%? How much has that changed or has it changed over the years? Well, I think it's changed somewhat, but it's still right and wrong to do the same thing. And I do think money has changed it. Money's changed you know, uh, where these players uh, are really investing in themselves. They're interested in longevity, and I totally get that. I think that from that standpoint, your mind has to change because these are big valued pieces. And I hate to refer to players as assets or valued pieces because that's not what they are. I I don't know if I'd agree with Joe in last night's game. I thought, you know, Cook, uh, if he's going to play, it's up to him. Um, If he wants to play, surely. I think if they had felt that he would – injure himself worse they would have protected uh, in they would have protected him against himself i think the competitive spirit in him and i would love to see that guys want to play and but that's not for everybody right and it, obviously it depends on the injury themselves but um i think in this day and age i think you have to err on the side of player safety and i think that's become more of an issue so that has changed the game i don't think you can roll guys out there like we did in the 80s, uh, you know, with uh, hay bale wire and band-aids and just expect them to give, you know, 100% and and uh, use them up. I don't think that can be the case at all. So I do think there is a little more of a mindset 
on on uh, you know week 16, week 17. But I think you also take care of players during the week for that from that standpoint as well, where you don't work them, you don't practice it hard. The physicality of these long seasons does take some wear and tear. So you know it's a fine line. I like the idea that he played. I think he he gained uh, a lot of. Uh, street cred in his own building if he needed any but i do think that shows a lot that the vikings are all in still even though they were five and seven going into that game so i i I give him kudos for playing for sure and i'm not here to judge if he should play or not play that's up to him if you're enjoying randy here with us make sure you check out his website mullerfootball.com and his uh, gm podcast as well um randy i want you to take on the quarterback position in general, uh, John asked you a little earlier about what you do. Uh, you got a guy you're trying to analyze, make a decision on going forward, and then your backup comes in and plays as well as he does. Well, you got an in-the-moment decision, but you also have a larger-picture decision. Jalen Hurts has given the Eagles an extra weapon this year. This side of Lamar Jackson, he's the best running quarterback in the National Football League, as far as I'm concerned. That's a nice plus to have. But you don't know if his accuracy, his arm accuracy, is going to be enough to merit him being the quarterback for years to come. Where is the quarterback position right now in the National Football League? I think everyone loves the athletic quarterback who can make plays outside the pocket, can turn it upfield. But Jalen is a little bit even further down the line than some of those. Is that the prototypic quarterback that they're looking coming out of college these days? A guy who can make a play with his legs? Is it not? Is it this year's group seems like a more pocket-based quarterback? Where is the quarterback position in the National Football League in your mind right now? I'll be honest with you. I don't think it's changed a whole lot. I know this. And and if you go back and look at the start of the season where some of the experts had these college kids going into this year, um, I was fascinated by by, and I don't want to pick on Mel, but his board and a couple other people's board where it had three or four quarterbacks way up there. I can tell you this, the criteria hasn't really changed. The The move, the ability to, to get away from a rush, the ability to extend plays is a bonus for sure. But I don't think people are looking for that. I really don't. I think people are looking for guys who can beat you from the pocket because defensive coaches are really good. They find ways to make you stay in the pocket, and eventually you have to become a passer, like you're finding out with Jalen Hurts. You've got to become a passer in the pocket if you're going to succeed for long term. Now, you may have some flashes and some spots where you can exceed, but I think in this in this day and age, especially, and again, I think this year's quarterback draft out of college is going to be fascinating because I see one guy, and that's Kenny Pickett. Let's start with the criteria of what you're looking for as a club, and as a you know, as a franchise quarterback, you're looking for six three plus. You're looking for guys that can make all the throws from the pocket, who have touch, who have tendencies that you know uh, can throw guys open. The the instincts that come with it. You're not, and this is not a slight on anybody. You're not looking for six foot tall guys that can run around. You're really not. You end up fa- uh, falling back on that when you can't find the six four guys who can stand in there and make all the throws. That's why the other. I think these other types of players have become fascinating is they're getting more opportunities because there's not a bunch of six, three, six, four guys running around out there. You can count on one hand how many of those guys are really good. And that's why they get 40 million a year. So I think the criteria has changed maybe some for the media who kind of, I mean, I guess we're all in that boat to, to an extent, prop up these 
lesser talented physical passers because that's the best there is. That's the, the best option some of these teams have. I don't think they want to go that route. I think if you gave Jim Harbaugh truth serum in, in Baltimore, they probably wouldn't want the style of quarterback that Lamar is. They would prefer a, a 6 3, 6 4, you know, in the pocket passer, but that's the best they have. So they've got to adapt. So you know, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of weeds to wade into. I don't want to be too long-winded, but I think it all starts with the criteria of what you're looking for at the quarterback position. And I'll say this about Jalen Hurts, and I know you guys know a lot more about it than I do. This kid has exceeded my expectations. He has, and really, it's taught me a little bit about scouting in that you can't say that a guy can't develop. You just got to give him an opportunity to, and he's, he's, he's gotten better every. He was, he's better was way better at Oklahoma than he was at Alabama. He's way better in year two than I was that I thought he was last year. So what's to say he has a ceiling? I haven't seen anything keep him from getting better week in and week out. I thought early in the season they they needed to develop their drop back passing game more. I didn't think they really gave Jalen a chance. Guess what? Yeah. They did that. And and that's improved. So sorry to be so long winded, but uh, I'm a little passionate well, about quarterbacks. No, yeah, that's exactly it's what I wanted. And and partner. and yeah, to kind of uh, piggyback off that, Randy, from a coaching perspective, because I think you're right. If you if you gave uh, John Harbaugh sodium pentothal, I think you're right. And I don't even have to think it with Nick Sirianni. He's very honest. He wants to play 11 personnel. Uh, he wants to throw the football down the field. That's where he eventually wants to get. Right. So from a GM's perspective, how important is it to get a coach and has it changed who will have that DNA? That's fine. You want to get to that point, but understand if you're not at that point to best take advantage of the talent you, you currently have. That's coaching, right? That's coaching 101, not only at quarterback position, but everywhere else. You'd like to have an ideal team that you build on paper that this is exactly what we want and fits our criteria perfectly. We know that's not possible. That's not real. You've got to deal. You've got to move. You've got to be able to find alternatives to develop players in different ways. And I think, you know, again, you guys know more than I do, but I think Nick's done a pretty good job of that. He's willing to adjust. I don't think he's a guy that, you know, sits inside a box and says, this is the way we're going to do it. I thought him and Shane have done a pretty good job overall dealing with their quarterbacks and, and the hand they've been dealt. So, you know, time will tell. I think that at every position, really, and as a team builder, that's what you're looking for. You've got to find you sure you have your criteria, but you've got to adjust your your schemes to fit what you have once, especially once your season starts and you know what your roster is going to look like. I think that's the part of coaching that fascinates me is it's, it's about, you know, taking your guys and, and taking my guys and, and seeing who can make the best group going forward, do what we want to do and then do it good. Randy, uh, the Eagles have four games left, all of them against teams within their division. The Washington football team has five games left because they have already had their bye. All of them against teams in their division. This is all going to be decided in the last four or five yeah. weeks. The two teams are uh, uh, right next to each other in playoff possibilities. Washington's in. The Eagles are just out. We'll see how it all shakes out. Did the NFL do the right thing by scheduling the season the way they have? I mean, not just a couple of the entire last quarter of the season is divisional matchups. Is that the best thing for the football fan out there? 
Well, I love it. You know, whether it's the best for the football fan, I don't know. Maybe they want to see some more marquee matchups. But I think if we're going to determine division champs and who's the best within divisions, the only way to do it is to play each other, right? I mean, you're seeing it in, in the AFC East with both, with uh, Buffalo and New England playing two of the last three weeks. That's going to be a fascinating matchup. We're seeing it now with Dallas and Washington playing each other a couple times down the stretch here. I love it. I just think there are no secrets in division matchups. You guys know. I mean, these teams play each other so much. Um, it, it's all about adjustments and figuring out what we didn't do good last time. I, I like it. I think it's great. I think the rivalries mean something more so than the bright light games. We're going to see the bright light games in the playoffs soon enough. But I think if we're going to determine this is the best way to determine who's the best is to let them fight it out within the division. Uh, well, speaking of those division games, Randy, I'm sure you saw New England, Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo probably saw something they weren't expecting from a division rival. What What is it about Bill Belichick? Obviously, he's got the longest rope humanly possible for a head coach, so he can do some things that other coaches can't do. But what is it about him that, from my perspective, uh, I'll say it this way, he looks like he's confident in his teaching ability and is willing to, uh, to try different things each and every week that other coaches are not willing to do. Would you would you agree with that sentiment? I agree. And again, I think your first comment was right on in that he has a lot of rope because of the success he's had. He's very productive. I mean, he can be um, – his history shows he's been productive. So so they he gets a lot of swings, right? He doesn't get three swings at the plate. He might get four or five strikes before he strikes out. So, yeah, I think what what – for me, what goes doesn't get enough run is is the old adage of uh, Herm Edwards that he plays to win the game. And that's what Belichick, Belichick does. He plays to win the game no matter what it takes. I also think his schemes and the way he coaches, his style, he builds his teams knowing that we may not be good in the first quarter of the season. It eventually they're going to get it if we have the right football IQ on this team. He's always had really high football IQ players and built his team that way. And they play better in the end because they finally get it. And you don't have a lot of ups and downs for them in the second half of the season. So, I mean, I think he's the best at that. He adapts week in and week out better than anybody, whether it's taking away something that is the strength of the opposition. That's all part of coaching. And I love seeing it. I think he does have... Um, an ability to figure things out on the fly. And like you said, uh, throw caution to the wind because, Hey, I'm Bill Belichick. I can try anything and make sense of it at the end of the day, <laughs> but I really don't think he cares what we think. And and that's a, that's a, 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 a powerful. I guess a, yeah. It's a quality yeah. that yeah. not many get in this league and he's, he's put himself there and, and kudos to him. All right. John went Belichick on you. So I'm going to go to the other half of the, since departed daring duo, uh, <laughs> you were in the league at the time. How many times over the years have you gone back to the scouting report coming out of Michigan that you had on Tom Brady and said, yeah, how'd I miss this? <laughs> I, look, he did talk about, and maybe I should have put more emphasis. And it could have been me who drafted Tom Brady. Right. How many times have you done that over the years? Well, it's a lesson in scouting for sure. I mean, all of us should should really critique what we saw there. And I've seen it time and time again, not to that level of, of a player becoming what Tom Brady has become, but 
intangibles matter. Football IQ matters. Um, a lot of things that are hard to evaluate in a scouting report are what has made Tom Brady the best. I remember I had a little stint in my career where I worked at ESPN for about three years. And part of my gig was uh, the thing I enjoyed most. And this is after 20, 25 years in the league. I didn't really get ever get to see how other teams did it. And in other words, how they structured training camp, how they practiced. And so my time at ESPN, I went around and got to go to some training camps. And I, and one of the first ones I chose is I wanted to go to New England, right? I wanted to see the magic sauce. I wanted to figure out what was going on there. And my day there watching them practice was unbelievable. The things that I was able to learn. I know this, Tom Brady had made two or three Super Bowls at that time and Pro, Pro Bowls. But I saw a guy that worked on little detailed fundamentals even and I consider him having already made it, he didn't ever detour from that. It's almost a mindset of I'm not going to let these little things go. His fundamental work during practice after making so many Pro Bowls told me this guy gets it and he continued to improve. That same practice, I remember Bill Belichick having everybody run a lap because somebody jumped off sides. I mean, I learned a ton. I, I said, they can't make people run laps in the NFL. That's crazy. <laughs> what is this, junior high? And it worked. The next thing I know, yeah. coaches are running laps. So, hey, it, it, each to his own. The thing that they've been able to do is focus and, and to get better at whether you're an individual player or a team. It's that mindset of putting blinders on, being willing to work in the dark without anybody's shining light on you or giving you attention. And that's what these greats of the game do. They're not afraid to work in the dark. And I don't think we were wrong on Tom Brady's scouting report. I just think he's surpassed it. At, at the time, we saw what we saw. We wrote what we saw. He's gotten so much better since then. He's the one that should be credited for it. And maybe it's the chip on his shoulder of when he got drafted that have helped him along. But intrinsically, he's wired different. And so it wouldn't have mattered when he got picked. He was just willing to, to, to pay the piper year in and yeah. year out, day in and day out. And uh, that, that's a lesson in scouting. It's hard to read what's inside a guy's mind and heart. Yeah, that, that brings up, you know, one of my pet peeves, Randy, is, is people assume you draft a player and you get a good player or a bad player, and they forget the player development aspect of it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it comes after you you hand in that card, never mind for a six-round pick, but even a first-round pick, in yep. um, how the coaches develop and how the coaches teach. I don't know how much you you watch Jordan Mailata, uh, uh the Eagles' left tackle, mm -hmm. but obviously he comes in as a seventh-round pick who never – played the game at an organized level before we're standing here four years later. I would argue other than Trent Williams, who's on a different level, mm -hmm. um, he's in the conversation for being the best left tackle in football. Didn't know. I, I saw him first day of practice. Didn't know how to put a football helmet on. Right. Had to be told how to put, obviously has tremendous physical gifts, but player development, why do so many people forget about that part of it? Because it's such a, a huge part of this industry. Well, it doesn't make the headlines. It doesn't, you know, it's not the, you can't give a hot take on player development. So uh, it gets kind of pushed to the side by most of us, by fans, by media, by everybody. But anybody inside of a building knows exactly what that's all about. And, and you make up a great point. I mean, he's obviously a physically gifted kid. He's big, strong. And, and I have had a chance to watch some tape on him. There's still some instinctive yeah, things yeah. That, that come a little slow for him at times. You wish he'd see things different, but he's so gifted that he can make up for that in that 
when he hits people, they go back and there's no denying that that's what he does. And, and that's, you know, that's the first thing that's hard to find, but I look at this guy as being able to, he could be the best to, to bring, to, to take it out further and extrapolate on it. Once he figures things out, cause I'm with you, he doesn't, I don't think he has it all figured out yet but I see enough to where I think this kid's getting better. I always equate it to this. Did he get to play Nerf football out in the yard growing up as a kid? Because that's where we all developed instincts for the game, right? Playing in the yard, playing around it. He probably didn't. So it's going to take him a little longer to, to figure out, you know, angles. And, and there are instincts involved in playing left tackle. Trust me, it's just not all big brute physical strength. So I think he's a fun guy to watch. And, and you're probably not wrong. There's not many better than him. And you would surely bet on him like the Eagles did as an investment type for the future. And I think it's a smart thing how he did by locking him up early. Randy, I need your take on this because I know you're a uh... – Pacific Northwest guy, John and I have discussed this both on the air and off the air. Seattle Seahawks got a big win last week, so they're still on the outskirts of the playoff. They're not dead yet. If they had lost week, last week, they might just well have packed it in for the last four games. But they got a win, and Russell Wilson looked more like Russell Wilson, and that's why we're entrenching this, because Russell Wilson may become a big topic of conversation right. in this town when the season's over and done with. Um, people suggesting, when I say people, I mean media members, some big names, some small name, that maybe this is it for Pete Carroll. That Pete Carroll, well into his 70s, may either walk away or be told to walk away or have pushed to walk away with Seattle. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying that Pete Carroll's ready to walk away. I still think that Pete Carroll might want to stick around and undertake a rebuilding if the Seahawks were to move Russell Wilson. Uh, your sources tell you if the Seahawks don't make the playoffs, if they're open-minded about trading Russell Wilson, will they and will Pete Carroll stick around if that's the case? Well, it's a fascinating topic, as you can imagine. I live in Seattle, so I hear it daily. And and actually, you know, I, I watch a lot of tape during the week, so I've tried to dive into it. Um, it's a convoluted um equation to solve i do think this that they have some hard questions to ask i don't think they're a playoff team i know they've got a win last week and they'll probably get another one they play houston this week so they're gonna they're gonna get people talking about them on the fringe of the playoffs but i don't think this is the case of one bad season i think it's the culmination of three or four years of bad decisions that just haven't worked out for whatever reason <clears throat> resulting in where they're at this year so from that standpoint, you know, Pete does make the decisions. John Snyder technically works for him. I would love to, if, if I were in charge, and, and obviously I'm not, but Jody Allen, Burt Cold, the powers that be in Seattle are going to have to ask these hard questions. I would definitely want Pete going forward as part of my fix. Um, I, I might consider reversing the roles, and, and they've kind of done that contractually. Pete is signed through 25. John is signed through 27. So maybe Pete can be part of the fix, but I think the short-term decision-making philosophy that sometimes comes with a coach being in charge, and it definitely has come in Seattle with Pete being in charge, that role kind of needs to be bypassed a little bit. I think they need to make some decisions based on longer term. And if Pete wants to be a part of that, I would surely welcome that. I just don't know that you could have, you know, a 70-year-old coach, and I understand his production and what he's done to deserve this spot i just don't know if you could have him make those decisions if you know they've tried to band-aid it together with hay bale wire and everything else and it just hasn't worked so i think you need to have a little longer term plan 
when when retooling this group because it's not a good group. They're not talented. There's been a disconnect with what the criteria is that they want to use to acquire players and their schemes. Really, they built a team that's you know used parts and it doesn't fit right now. So they've got to have a little longer term view and goal. And I think they can do that, but it's going to take some, you know, really whether Russell Wilson's a part of it, I don't know. You know, he has a no trade clause, so he's going to have a lot of say in that. But you're talking about a 33-year-old quarterback who's had some ups and downs really since midseason a year ago. So it's probably a long show for us, a complete podcast, so to speak, to, to dissect all the issues there. But you've hit on something that Northwesterners are talking about every day. And and I think yeah. it's complicated. If that's an answer in one word, it's complicated. <laughs> uh, last one from me, Randy, and thanks again, MuellerFootball.com. Uh, you can uh, check out Randy there. He's got his uh, GM pod with The Athletic, uh, former executive of the year of the NFL. Uh, you, you mentioned people are talking about it every day in Seattle. What's going to happen? I'm just curious because we're in Philadelphia. We know Doug Peterson well. He's from yeah. Bellingham in yeah. Washington. How much do people bring up the name Doug Peterson out there when they speculate about the future? I don't think they've done that yet. I don't think that dot is connected. I don't think anybody's really believing that Pete would not be the coach or or make that many changes. They just hired an offensive coordinator this year and Russell was involved in that. So, you know, I don't think anybody's sweeping that decision out the door yet. So I would say Doug Peterson hasn't got a lot of traction out here per se. Um, Cause I just don't think people are, are, are that far down the road in change. Obviously that would be a, a great discussion for a, another time, probably whether Doug fits in at, at some level with what they're doing. Uh, I just don't think people are ready for that yet right now. And so it's not on the front burner. I'll say that. Randy, we are certainly going to get you back on uh, before the playoffs or right as the playoffs roll around. Cause uh, you've got a ton of experience in that. We're hoping the Eagles are in the playoffs so we can talk yeah. about it, but if not, we're going to have you on either way. Thank you very much for getting up early and joining us today. We'll talk to you again very soon. My pleasure guys. Thanks a lot. Randy Mueller, ex-executive of the year, as John pointed out. Check out uh, his website, MuellerFootball.com, and his podcast with The Athletic. All right, John McMullen, Jody McDonald. We still got 10 minutes left. Damn, yeah, we'll make the most of it. A football front. Picks coming. Oh, shoot. Mm. Uh, we'll come back. <laughs> well, and put we'll above. pick Washington, Dallas. How about that? That's, that there you go. Yeah. So challenge, so answered. We'll come back, put a bow on the show here on Birds 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? 
I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero carbs, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. All right, uh, come down to home stretch of a football Friday show. Now we know there are no Eagles on Sunday, which is going to make us adjust. And- uh, change our time frames over the weekend and everything else. You know, I work on the weekend on CBS Sports Radio, Saturday nights, 10 to 2, uh, for those of you on the East Coast here. But we're big in Peru. John told me that before the show started. So you got to uh, do your... Yeah, Switzerland, I think, yeah, as well. Your your own figuring of times uh, for my CBS Sports Radio appearance. And uh, 2 to 6 Eastern uh, on Sundays. Uh, so everyone's adjusting there weekend calendar because you don't have to if you choose not to you don't have to be locked in for the three-hour eagles you should be locked in for the three hours watching the football team or the cowboys and that's up to you i don't know what the hell i'm gonna do with myself on saturday for the last 13 weeks i've been army navy this week at least you got army navy one game and it's a different game uh, our our buddy, the coach who was with us last night, should love Army Navy because he wants to return to yesterday of smash mouth football and running it between the tackles, and that's exactly what they do. So at MetLife Stadium, I could have went up to MetLife Stadium again. Uh, Army three Navy. weeks running. Yeah, you just have to get in the car and flip a switch. You don't even have to drive. Your car knows how to get to MetLife Stadium. Um, uh, no, yeah, I'll watch Army Navy and. I said this, where did I say this yesterday? I said it to somebody, might have been on Twitter or whatever. Um, It's uncanny how bad I am at picking the Army-Navy game. I get it wrong every year, like every year. I'll tell you 20 out of the last 21 Army-Navy predictions, and you always pick it because it's the only game. 
Yeah. You got no choice. You got to have your one action. You want to make a pick. You got to do it on Army Navy because it's the only game that plays. And I get it wrong every single week. I haven't even made my mind up yet. So if you want to know who to bet on the Army Navy game, follow me on Twitter at Jody McMahon, J-O-D-Y-M-A-C-M-A-N. I will make a pick tomorrow, and I can almost assure you it will be wrong. Uh, so pick the other team. Whatever I say, go the other way. Uh, Eagles, excuse me, Cowboys, Washington football team. I think I might be able to figure this one out. I'm going to ask you to figure it out on the fly here, McMullen. Hmm, we know it's at stake one. here. We kind of suggested the Eagle fans should be rooting for the Cowboys, which, oh, by the way, the only thing you don't want to see is the Washington football team win by double-digit points because then your confidence is going to be a little shaky coming into the game next week. Holy mackerel. They won five in a row, and they just kicked the Cowboys' tails. Yeah. If the Cowboys win, you're good with it because, yeah, the Cowboys have opened up a big enough lead. They're probably going to win the division. That's what you're rooting for coming into the game. That's good. If Washington wins a close game, like last night's game, game on the line going into the last play of the game, and Pittsburgh just couldn't get it tied up and send it into overtime. But if it's a close game, oh, watch the Eagle fans turn, John. If, the, if Washington wins a close game, it won't be, ooh, the Washington football team has won five in a row. It'll be, you know, the Cowboys are ripe for the picking. If it's a close game, they'll turn their attention to the Cowboys are vulnerable. If it's a blowout no, no. win. Oh, yeah, they'll talk it. I, I just think it's worse, you know, realistically, it's worse for the Eagles if Washington wins the game. And I think they have a chance to win the game. Mike McCarthy's out there playing Joe Namath, predicting wins. Um, the Cowboys are, are – I look, they're very talented. They're a better team. Uh, I think it's best evidenced by scoring. You know, that's the – you know, that's the end game, as Merrill Reese would say. Score more points. They score almost 30 points a game. Washington's at 20-21. Um, Ultimately, I think they're going to win the game, but they're not consistent. So you you do hedge a little bit, and the game's in Washington. But the – boy, I'm tired of saying Washington football team. I wish I could say a nickname, Jody. But, yeah, same here. Um, the WFT, whatever, whatever you want to call them, I, I just don't think they have the firepower to, to – hold up with Dallas when they have all those receivers and, and they should have them. So I lean towards Dallas, but it wouldn't shock me if, if Washington was able to win the game. If they do, that's, that's a pretty impressive five game winning streak that they'll bring bringing here to Philadelphia next week. But we got all next week to talk about leading up to it. All right. What, it, so you're not going to get in the car this weekend because you fear it will drive to MetLife Stadium. And yeah, I'm, I'm very Navy. fearful. I'm very right. fearful, which, by the way, I can get to MetLife Stadium very quickly. King of Prussia, I'm calling it the Long Island of the Delaware Valley. It's impossible to get to, but I enjoyed my time at Screwballs. That's all that matters. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm you know what? I'm I'm about Christmas decorations this weekend, Joe. Uh... Gotta you get got your it tree done. up got already? No. Okay. No, got to do it. Put the tree up. Haven't decorated it yet. So that's exactly what I'll be doing, too, on Saturday when I'm not watching the fact that I got the Army-Navy game wrong. Uh, so John and I will be doing Christmas uh, 
decorating this week, you should do the same. Make sure you watch Washington and Dallas because that's one thing that we'll talk about early here next week. And then we will start the countdown to the return of the Philadelphia Eagles against the Washington football team next week. Uh, good job this week, partner. It's good to see you out at uh, Screwballs. I'll be back here Monday. Will you? I will be back here. May, might even go to King of Prussia Screwballs for a pulled pork sandwich. I give Jody McDonald credit for that one. Good choice. You got that one right. You're going to get Army-Navy wrong. You got that one right. <laughs> yes, I am. Uh, but we'll try and get it right for you next week, right back here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.